Welcome back to Future in the Humanities, the podcast produced by humans for humans intrigued by humanity. I'm Andy Lemasugu, bringing you the third and final episode of the inaugural capsule collection of podcasts we'll be bringing you on this very channel. Now, join me for this Uber ride. Eta bro, Eta. how are you? I'm great. I know, we sharp man. Sharp. Kikama, uh, 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 andile, andile, exactly. Oh, right, yeah. Andile, sipo, yeah. Exactly. Cool, man. Sharp, Ukraine. bro. Okay, cool, man. As quick as you can, as safe as you can. <laughs> All right, no, not a problem. I think I'll out here. Just be comfortable. Uh, so do you want I'll to listen ask. to any music? Yes, I, I I don't mind silence, yes. You don't mind silence? Yeah, I don't mind. We're calling this episode Slave Ride, and it features insights from Figile Masigani, a PhD candidate in the Department of Sociology at Fitz University. Figile is also a researcher at the Southern Center for Inequality Studies, and we'll be unpacking a report she published along with Edward Webster called I Just Want to Survive. Figile, is Uber the ticket to the middle-class South African dream? Not at all. Far from it. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt in your mind then? No doubts. No shadow of doubts. What do you think makes certain South Africans and Africans living in South Africa believe that might be their ticket? Because of how it's sold to us as something that is allowing people to determine their own working hours, I guess, and it's presented as a partnership. I bring in my own vehicle, I bring in my own data, my cell phone, and I determine my own hours. And Uber provides an app and I'm able to to just be my own boss, basically. Really does sound like a great deal. How is it not a great deal? Because, I mean, everything you've just shared sounds pretty great. Where does it fall apart? There's an app that controls so when you join this partnership with Uber, Uber provides this app that determines the amount of money that you make. So you bring in all the equipment and they determine how much you get paid. So you don't get a share or a say on what you're getting paid. Playing devil's advocate. Yes. Yeah. Why are so many adopting this platform if it's so terrible? Because a job is better than no job at all in this country that we are living in. So people would rather go for the most basic of work to earn some form of living than not have a job at all. Paint a picture for what that looks like. I mean, are people making minimum wage? They're able to live. But the amount of hours that they're working and what the national minimum wage requires is way below. They pay for their own car, they pay for their insurance, they pay for their petrol. All of this is deducted in this amount that they're earning. In our study, some of the riders were making close to 20 rand or 15 rand per trip, regardless of the distance. The national minimum wage per hour in South Africa is 23 mm -hmm. uh, or so. So it's less than that. And they're not working all the time. Some workers have hours that, that are not accounted for, basically, mm -hmm. where they're waiting for the orders. In a day, even though a rider would spend 12 hours working, maybe of those 12 hours, it's six hours that they're actually working because they're not um, as busy as they, they would in, in particular mm -hmm. times. So there's a fixed time commitment that matches a full-time situation yeah. with a lot of downtime that's not accounted for yeah. in 
the in the rate when you do start working and there's all this invisible cost yeah both tangible and intangible in delivering on what this algorithm is demanding and still all of that's better than nothing often when i when i ask for silence people are surprised <laughs> <laughs> i actually enjoy talking to uh, you know you guys because you know you you speak to so many people so it feels like i learn so much from you guys how how are things going these days things are going all right um actually i talk a lot i'm also a scholar yeah well, um, oh, I are, drive. You, are yeah. you studying part-time? No, I'm actually full-time, driving part-time and full-time, I think. Oh. I, I actually got e Uber because of my younger brother, mm. Yabo. Uh, he wanted to get a job, he's in Tobesna and then I used my credit oh. with the bank, waiting to the, the, the Pololena, you know, so okay. uh, we, we exchanged driving. Okay. <laughs> so right okay. now, He's tired, recently, so okay. uh, I've taken over, Kunamaji. Okay, yeah, so that's, cool. <laughs> that's how we roll. Okay. You have to be doing everything these days. But I mean, when you think about the... I mean, is it adding up what? I mean, when you compare what you... You know, my, my expenses, Naini. I'm happy with the cash flow. I've got cash in the hands. But uh, when it comes to real calculations, like Mao Bala Uguti, there's gas. There's, um, you know, services for the car. The car breaks down. Mm. Uh, and how many hours are you working these days? You to to make. <laughs> Look, what target are you going for? I can I can I can I can give you a, a target like this. Né? I have to pay about 3.5 for the installment of the car. Né? And then if I'm taking insurance and I tell the insurance company that I'm a business, they want 4,000 a month. Yeah. But then, you know, to survive, you then have to cancel that insurance. So you take it just so that, you know, you can submit the papers. Yeah. And then if you don't pull it out, like I didn't in my first few months, I, uh, I, I, I drowned. <laughs> Did you drown? Yeah. So if you don't pull out your insurance and pretend that you have a business insurance, you are not going to win. You, you're not going to sleep. Yeah? So uh, then you pay normal insurance, but then uh, you are lying and taking a risk. And then when you get into a crash, maybe they, you see, they, they the refuse to pay now. out. Yeah. So oh. that's the issue. But otherwise, with normal insurance, everything above board cost, Archer, you'll not, you'll not wow. get there. Wow. No. no, maybe at the beginning. But uh, now, you see, I think the, the one thing that keeps me driving is the fact that now I have this car. Yeah. Right? I can't reverse yeah. <laughs> the situation. Yeah. And, and the reality is that between my brother and I, we see that we are drowning. But... There's the reality of, of, of just having cash flow, some money in, in the hand. And you own the car still in it. Of course. I mean... <laughs> and if you sell it, you're not going to get... Paid. No, 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 no. You're going to get hit. I mean, the goal was to buy the car, and then the car will get another car, you know. I mean, the dream was that, that in no time, you buy the car in one year, it's paid, and then we can take out deposit for my brother's car, and then that was the plan. So it's it's basically I don't want to say modern day <laughs> colonization, <laughs> uh, but I think that's what it is because the senior managers or or the the wealthy small group of of wealthy people are protecting their wealth by exploiting workers and maximizing on profits through cheap labor. So for them, the Uber model works because then not only are they not liable for providing the basic worker needs, they're also liable for maximizing the profit through operating from a different country. 
in this instance and operating with workers that are in the global south with many, many, many issues that are being faced in this country. So they create this model that works overseas, but when you bring it here in the real sense of it, it's not working out for the workers. Why are you reluctant to call it neo-colonialism or uh, a modern form of slavery? Why would you not completely just come out and say that's what it is? Are there, th- are there aspects to what's going on that are, as they might put it, a fair and perhaps well-meaning attempt to improve the lives of many? No, not at all. So maybe I should call it as it is. Maybe it is that. And maybe that's the conversation that we should be having about it. It's basically just taking a different mask, but it's the same thing. This idea of a faceless colonizer Mm -hmm. is an idea I've definitely heard. And it's a theme that I see sort of come through in your work. Mm this idea of an extractive relationship with the native that's happening at arm's length in a way that is deliberately designed to protect, as you say, the interests of the person who's in charge. What would you point to as examples of that structural control and that structural dynamic that's designed in that way within the context of what you've observed in your research? So for the most practical, the most literal sense of it is the fact that Uber Eats doesn't have a physical office in in South Africa. And like any working relationship that you get into, it makes sense if I have a problem to be able to go to an office and report. Uber Eats doesn't have that. So it's not open for negotiation with the workers. So they're not interested to hear what the worker has to say. You just have to deliver what you deliver. Secondly, this idea of the algorithm and how it controls a worker. So it basically works as a robot. It's taking away the human elements of the person who has to take these instructions from this algorithm. So how it works is that it connects the driver, so the worker, to a restaurant, a restaurant to the customer. So the customer puts an order to to the restaurant and then they have this Uber who delivers, right? So that's the labor process. Mm -hmm. It's about protecting the customer. The customer must get the order hard and on time. But there are so many factors that happen between where the driver is in, in, in terms of getting the order, going to the restaurant, from the restaurant to the customer. There's traffic, there, there's robbery, there's accidents. There are a lot of factors that mm-hmm. happen between then and, and the customer. The algorithm doesn't take that into consideration. So if the driver doesn't get the order to the customer in time, then it's a bad review for the rider and it affects how they then get more work. So it's an optimization for the customer, mm-hmm. perhaps for the restaurant too, without accounting for the means by which that optimization is delivered by human means. Yes. <laughs> and the performance of said human means mm-hmm. is again assessed completely apart from the reality of that human's ability to deliver in a reasonable fashion, accounting for safety and the costs that go into delivering quickly um, and safely. (laughs) I've started to deliberately count as part of the cost of using Uber and Uber Eats a tip as part of the cost. I don't even perceive that as something I'd be doing to reward good Mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. I know that the the app now lets you tip in advance, for instance, which is something I've started to do to sort of inculcate that thinking in myself because I was typically approaching it the way you would at a restaurant where you wait 
until you know you see whether the service is good or not, and then and then you reward it. And and it's interesting how the the conventions of everyday life in that regard have been baked into this app, but almost perverted in favor of essentially two out of the three parties involved, the restaurant, who obviously love how this brings so much efficiency to how they deliver their service, the customer, which is us. But in the middle there, on both sides of that equation, we perhaps as consumers have allowed ourselves not to care. Yeah. And then we don't even talk about the algorithm and who's behind it. Yeah. In that entire conversation, we don't even think about Uber, the company, Uber, the team that actually program and run and manage the algorithm as an accountable party of some kind. How did we get there, do you think? I think the idea of the digital economy basically Mm. takes away the human element. So the app becomes more efficient. So the app is the right one because Mm. it knows what it does and it's efficient basically Mm. and it's convenient. It Mm. It really ever shuts the customer down. The way that the app itself is is presented and and the convenience of it makes it look perfect. Then when it comes to, to the person who actually has to execute it, then we become... As, as consumers of it, less patient of that person because of this perfect mm. app that is created for our convenience. It's almost as if it's a robot, again, that mm. has to deliver this thing in the most perfect sense. Another important element of it is this rating system because the drivers understand the algorithm to give them more work. So if they get good ratings, then they get more orders and Mm. more trips because their reviews are good Mm. so they get involved in what we call in the report self-exploitation because they want to perform well so they would go to extra lengths to get run through it robots exactly you know whatever it takes to get that food to you hot because they don't want to get between you and this restaurant you love yes and they don't want to let down this restaurant that's had this amazing relationship with you except for this ridiculous driver who brought your food in a mess or just ruined what was otherwise this amazing relationship between restaurant and, 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 and customer. Absolutely. If I don't go out at night, because normally we get most business uh, inside Uber when it's at night, when people are going to parties and all of that stuff, uh, that's where most commotion is happening, deliveries, Yonkito, but my want your bag. Uh, during the day, it's too much competition, too many cars. Mm. I think maybe that's one, another thing that uh, I've realized in this business. There's too many cars. Mm. When it's not the morning and it's during the day, mm. I too, there's too many of us on the road. Mm. So, mm. And you can't, when you travel, if, like now I'm taking you to Jamistin. Yeah. When we get to Jamistin, I'm going to have to wait there. Wait for a trip. For a trip somewhere. So whether it's takeout that takes longer than you expect or a ride that takes forever to get going, it's always on the driver. Or as Figile points out... They are workers. (laughs) They are working. There's absolutely value being created. And I constantly refer to them as workers because they need to be protected by the worker rights policies in South Africa. And calling them a driver makes them one step away from completely unnecessary in light of what's coming next, which is the driverless revolution, right? Yes. It's not the workerless revolution. It's the driverless driverless revolution. revolution. Yeah. So South Africa presents a perfect storm, you know, in terms of like this opportunity to be exploitative mm-hmm. for a company like Uber or really any gig economy player. So unpack how this country represents almost a blank check opportunity to take full advantage of willing drivers. 
and of course exploit workers in this context cheap labor basically it goes back to mining you know where south africa is a breeding ground of not taking workers seriously i'm not talking about south african workers i'm talking about immigrant workers yeah i imagine this algorithm is probably not treating south africans well either but, but how come immigrants specifically why do you cite them so i cite them because the people that we conducted the study with 90% of them are cross border migrants all of them don't have legal documents in south africa mm-hmm. and this works for the company's favor right because then if they don't have legal documents they constantly in fear so they'll do what the algorithm tells them to do without questioning the working conditions does it make it hard to organize in protest or absolutely because the first threat is you are not legally in south africa how does uber get away with this surely it shouldn't be possible to hire someone who's and again i suppose they're not hiring <laughs> they're not right? you you you're an independent contractor oh my word right so <laughs> okay so you're coming in as an independent contractor you're just using the app you using the app absolutely and the reason why again we're referring to them as workers is that worker rights protects both immigrant and citizens of the country by virtue of you providing a service in South Africa you should be protected regardless of your nationality so uber is bargaining on the fact that they don't know their rights or they think they don't know their rights and they can't challenge them and their working conditions so they it gives them the right to be exploited even more And these days how's it, how's it, I mean how's Joburg is it is it safe for you guys Look my dad we, we are always uh, thinking about Ukraine Actually, so, sorry just like let me yeah. take uh, uh, let me take the score quickly Okay cool Babe Anyeza I'm coming I'll see you soon All right chap Yeah So yeah, you're saying No <laughs> I was saying about them and yeah about e safety really number one out here uh, just last week in Dwana by Haichekile drive the Toyota, he was hijacked. Mm. And then, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, at the police station, it's also the reality, which when we go there to report, the reality is that we we get other cases there. Wow. Which people are- You meet your to. other fellow Uber drivers. Yeah, I mean, it's Soweto, I stay in Soweto, and Soweto is also uh, dangerous, yeah, I understand. But we go out there because we want money, mm. yeah, well. Mm. part of the perfect storm dynamic South Africa might present in this instance is the fact that we have the challenge of being an unsafe country by many metrics and so even something as basic as changing from a card only cashless proposition to enabling customers to actually pay with cash i imagine that decision was driven more by a pragmatic sense of the potential for profit and adding efficiencies and, and delivering on convenience yep. without really accounting for at what cost this would come or how this would affect the average worker using the app to make a living would you point to that as an example of how the man and his algorithm basically don't seem to account at all for the worker definitely big brother doesn't look at where he's speaking yes it's a very important thing that you're raising because part of the the experience of uber drivers and food couriers is that element of crime rates in south africa and how 
dangerous it is. They speak of areas where they get robbed. Everyone knows that it's a, it's a no-go area. And but of course, if you don't go when you've been asked, the algorithm punishes you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They have to find ways to assist each other when they have to go to particular areas, mm. which is... It's not a way for anyone to work, you know. So I know a lot of people complain about going to Eldorado Park, mm-hmm. going to Brixton and those kind of areas where, where people know they're going to be robbed. The algorithm, Especially when you've got cash on you too. So it's it's not just the risk of hijacking. It's the fact that now this went from a cashless to now a cash-heavy situation where I'm not just, you know, good for my car. I'm actually good for some cash too. Cash and cell phones. Because of course you need... So they know that if one of the riders or the Uber is coming in, guaranteed a phone. They started not accepting cash trips in in particular areas. So Big Brother didn't think about that. The safety of other areas. I better get my food though. And on time. And on time. (laughs) Hot. (laughs) Exactly. What would you say to an everyday South African or immigrant living in South Africa who sees this as a viable option and perhaps the only option for making a livelihood at the basic level. I think it's important for them to know their rights. That's the only way that we can challenge these international companies that come into South Africa to exploit workers. Workers don't know what they're getting themselves into and what they should take and not take, basically. Like anyone who gets into a contract, uh, whether they call it independent contractors or partnerships or whatever it is, there is some form of rights that they need to understand so that they're able to challenge their working conditions and they're not so exploited. So I think it's important for anyone to have that kind of background knowledge of what it is that is required and what the company can do or cannot do. Uber knows what they're supposed to do and they know the challenges that the work are facing. It's not like they don't know, but because they're gunning on the fact that the riders or the workers themselves are so desperate for work, they're not going to challenge and they're going to take anything and everything that is thrown at them. So I think it's important for them to, to get into these contracts with that knowledge of what it is that they're getting into. Hey man, watch where you going, man. Sure, I'll tell me. <laughs> man, yeah, so man, wait, hey, so wait. If this guy, if that guy nearly hit you, that guy will nearly hit you. If he hits you, he you insurance. Yeah, you know, if that guy actually hit me, I... We were in trouble, you know. <laughs> you know, so the reality here, should we have gotten into that uh, accident, apparently, uh, we would have been in trouble. You would have been in trouble. Wow. I, no, I mean, I'm not going to be in trouble. I mean, I'm just going to call another Uber. As long as I'm not hit, I'll just leave the car. And... I need to mean I have to make sure that I have third party insurance on you. Because even if you are not insured, when, hmm. and you are in an accident with me, we are born with now, you are depending on road accident oh, fine. Yeah, well, right. you're right. Are we turning here? Well, yeah, this is perfect. Okay, perfect. Cool. perfect. All right, just here. Okay, and then I do you not? Yo, actually, just yeah, actually, it's the, the the third house there. Hey, these systems don't work perfectly. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it takes you elsewhere, and then you guys fight and say I'm actually extending. Oh, so the what? Do, what to get what more does Uber money? tell you, gay? When you, I mean, surely you can tell them. Would this thing is a problem? What What do they say when I when you? I think I know the office the first time near Lapa, but after Lapa, you just deal with uh, the platform. Complaints, everything is via the app and platforms. Yeah, bro. Hey, so dude, uh, thanks so much for, for, for the ride, man. Thanks for getting me here. I, 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 I have to go. <laughs> All right. Sharp out, Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey,
is Uber, in your view, a net positive in light of everything you've unpacked for South Africans using the app to make a living, all of the issues you've shared notwithstanding, or would our world be better without it? My first instinct was to say no, it's not. But when I think about, again, the, the reality of a society that we're living in and the unemployment rates, it's a good addition. We need it. The world is moving towards this kind of digital age and this kind of work is, is becoming more famous and um, it's more needed. The problem is that the level of exploitation that comes with it. These are old conversation and old debates in a labor kind of space of how workers get very exploited in these conditions. So I think the question is not necessarily about it being bad and us being better without it. It's just the working conditions and the contracts that people are getting into when they enter this kind of labor market. It sounds like you can imagine a world where there is a suitable level of accountability. Yes. A suitable level of human decency applied to how this algorithm treats people. That doesn't necessarily necessitate us saying goodbye to Uber and all those comforts. Absolutely. And so this ride ends here for now. Many thanks to Figile Masigane for sharing on this one. And a special big up to voice actor Nkululego Sibia, who is not only a media studies PhD candidate at Wits University, but is also a former Uber driver who very kindly poured his true-to-life first and second-hand experiences with the app and its impact on workers into our Uber ride improv. The next capsule collection of Future in the Humanities is in the works. So now's a really good time to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes. And of course, do rate the show and share it with your mates. Otherwise, that's it for now. Till next time, take care.